<laughs> right, let's get it rolling. Welcome to the second episode of the YN podcast. Andrew's having a bit of a buckle because I keep fluffing <laughs> intro. So just like the Dwayne, Dwayne Holmes episode, I made about 10 mistakes. So Dwayne had to sit and listen to me for about 10 minutes and Andrew's pretty much just done the same. Um, for anyone that's new to the podcast, this is a podcast where I ask a series of questions to members of YN, speakers at YN that range from professional footballers to professional speakers. Um, and I also bring on people from the gaming side of things and ask them a series of questions and bring out a side to them that you don't usually see on a podcast. We're going to ask a series of questions from personal to business, the weird and wacky, um, and hopefully bring out the best in the guests that are across from us. Hopefully in the future in person, which would be absolutely amazing. That. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Andrew? Well, thank you for having me on. First of all, I really do appreciate you taking the time to to invite me onto the podcast and I'm excited to to hear some of the questions that you've got for me. So for everyone who's listening, my name is Andy and I am working towards becoming a mindset coach and a habit building coach. I would like to help people free up some more time for their life to live the life that they actually choose through systems and processes and moving forward in the business that they may have always been scared to push forward with. Uh, I focus on positivity and trying to bring the best out in others and that's a little bit about me. Absolutely love that, mate. Absolutely love that. And if anyone doesn't know, I've been working with Andrew for like what three, three, four months yeah. now, nearly. Yeah, around about that. Uh, we have pretty much a weekly checking call, which is part of YN. We sit and speak about ideas and see to be fair, mate. It's got to the point where I feel like I should be paying you for what you bring, <laughs> for what you bring the checking calls because we've actually <laughs> we've implemented some so many good learnings, mate. And in terms yeah, of like yeah. the the habit building aspect, I think I've kind of realised that it's almost. I think being around you obviously it's inspired me further to mm-hmm. like track it as much as I can and really knuckle down on the habits that are really beneficial for me. But I also feel like I think I've came to the realisation through my stretches, my shoulder mobility is starting to get a bit better. Yeah. So I'll be able to go back to the gym soon, which I'm really happy about. And I feel like the gym is what I'm looking for in terms of it's almost like I'm using all these habits to fill that void, uh-huh. kinda. Of like what yeah, the gym no, was that. holding, bro, because the gym would just uh-huh. give me so much clarity, mate so much clarity man so in terms of like the habit building aspect what mm. is your take on the importance of habits and why you've knuckled down so much on habit building we are we're sort of creatures of habits you know mm. everything we've done from any time anyone has been alive is formed through our habits you know a lot of things become automatic you don't think about what uh, shoe you put on first you don't think about how you get out your bed but they're all usually similar ways that we do it so to me I realized that everything I was doing, whether I was disciplined, whether I was actually moving forward in my business or whether I was doing nothing was all related to the habits that I had. So that then led me on to wanting to find out more about why habits form, why we form bad habits, how we break them, how we unlock new areas of our life to actually move forward in not only one, but multiple areas at the same time. And that was what interested me so much that small, simple changes can make everlasting results if you're just willing to be consciously aware of what you do in a day you know because you don't think about how you drink water or how you check your phone but you probably do it the same way every single time and if we can create automation and things that are actually going to benefit our life rather than just sort of mundane tasks mate the, the world is literally at your fingertips at that point I couldn't agree more, mate. And I think for me, <clears throat> the main thing that I've kind of, the main reason I've implemented all these kind of habits is because, well, for one, it is like meditation and stuff like that. Yeah. Like anyone that has any sort of mental clarity on a high level meditates. It's pretty much yeah. like the, the one common denominator for most people yeah. on it. Um, 
and obviously like common things like you know reading journaling scheduling mm -hmm. journaling and scheduling is too for me that i never thought would be so important when i think back because i've done a post <coughs> today on linkedin and i've done a video about it on twitter about okay. my 18 year old self and yeah. what i would think of the person i am today and yeah. i came to the conclusion that my 18 year old self would resent who i am today wow. because i was just a pessimistic moaning <laughs> no responsibility but i left school mate and it was like everything was the school's fault and it like yeah. the teacher's fault i wasn't meant yeah. to sit in at school and all that kind of stuff and it was a <laughs> terrible attitude to have from i think that when i think about people that are positive people like yourself for example someone like i've become which i'm incredibly proud of who i became and the kind of steps that i've took but i think my 18 year old self would look at me and think that everything i was speaking about as much as i solely believe that it's all fact and everything that uh -huh. you're speaking is absolute fact my 18 year old pessimistic self would think i'm full of shit <laughs> i think was the conclusion i'd came to because i thought back to like whenever i mean you see it all the time in it i mean you probably get it a lot i spoke to Dwayne quite a bit obviously with footballers they get it in quite yeah. a abuse level and quite a high level in it but in terms of i imagine probably from you previously streaming and stuff like that the abuse that comes with that kind of territory um it's mainly from people that are kind of in that kind of headspace which is why i think i'm more probably more understanding of it because i was quite pessimistic and i was yeah. kind of like but i would never ever take action in any sort of sort of stuff like that i would just uh -huh. kind of make sure i couldn't see all the positivity and like all yeah. my life's just full of shit kind of way and it was a <laughs> terrible attitude of me but Things like you were speaking about, mundane tasks, especially picking up my phone, mate. It's something uh -huh. that's just so... It's got to the point I want to keep calling it a work phone, but I want a phone that's for business so that yeah, I can I actually see the time that I have on my phone uh -huh. that's not business related. Right, okay. And obviously you can see it through the apps and stuff like that, that you're on. Yeah. But, I mean, there's times when I just dabble, dabble quite a bit, and it's just uh -huh. kind of like a automating and it's funny because i had this conversation with my mum when she was talking about not burning out how she doesn't burn out and it's right. one she always obviously takes the weekends off and for uh -huh. me i used to always work through like every single day um yeah. she also takes bank holidays off and stuff like that she's always kind of got into that habit mm -hmm. and she said that her saving grace for not burning out was candy crush that's what she said to me because, because whenever she got a spare five ten minutes yeah. And she'd worked her arse off. She'd go over, she'd sit on the couch. And I've seen her do it for years, mate, since my yeah. old house, so a good seven or eight years. You just sit and play Candy Crush, mate. Not bit. It's like, do those mundane Simple. tasks, like, fill a void of... Do they help you rejuvenate? Like, they definitely can, because mm. you're able to take your mind away from everything. Yeah. You know, you're, you're able to keep your, yourself away from the work that you're doing. And I believe that your mum doing that over a long period of time she's now able to separate work and candy crush mm -hmm. completely separately so that is the reward system you know yeah. you've got the sort of cue of you've done the work and you've completed it and then the reward is candy crush you know so having that separation is actually really important for anyone who's looking to build good habits over a long period of time and some people will say obviously like playing candy crush is a waste of time yeah. and in hindsight playing it for four hours out of the day probably is mm -hmm. but with your mum using that alongside her actual good tasks that are pushing her business forward that's when it becomes a system that works over the long run and why she hasn't burnt out yeah and i think this is something that's i've kind of it was one part i think i spoke about it with kyle or what i say that mm -hmm. 
it's almost like everything that we're bombarded with in it is like all the gurus working 20 hours yeah. a day and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and like you're almost like led to believe that that's like what the what you have to do to make it yeah and you do kind of in a way the main reason i took on paula as my coach was because she was the exact opposite and she actually right. taught it in a way that was logical to me about yeah. the whole working less and learning more aspect how to get to that level and when it came to it was the first person that was you know at a level in business that i wanted to be at that wasn't telling me about how much i had to work and how much i had to right. graft and how i couldn't have any time off and how i had to uh-huh. grind away and that's kind of the idea that you get almost like a level of obsession and it's it's a weird kind of trap that you get in me and obviously mm-hmm. the burnout aspect of it so i think being around my mum and obviously taking on paula has yeah. changed my attitude in it but i also feel like i'm in limbo a bit with them right. both i'm not fully broken out of that pure workhorse attitude uh-huh. yesterday for example went to my grand's in the morning for breakfast because i had no calls so uh-huh. i'm gonna go spend some time with my grand took that time off then i came back knocked off a couple of emails started my stream at 12. then mm-hmm. when i found my stream at 12 I went and had a catch up with one of my mates for a couple of hours, went to Nando's. And I, when I came back, I almost felt guilty. Even though I was back all day Monday, even though I still yeah. streamed, even still I knocked out, even, even though I still knocked out a couple of tasks, uh-huh. it, I still felt like I hadn't done enough, mate. Yeah. And it's the, it's so deeply verbal programmed, verbal programmed as well. And it's like, do I want to break it? Do I want to break that verbal programming? Because I feel, I believe my future self will thank me for, thank me for it. Uh-huh working that hard but also it's the limbo aspect so that's why i feel like the the habits are so important if say i go back on the limbo yeah using my spare time to meditate read uh-huh. journal schedule do stretches some form of exercise cold showers all that kind of stuff uh-huh. if i combine that with a workhorse attitude i should have a level of clarity where my output is quite high yeah is my thought process on it uh-huh. what do you do to what? achieve on you no sorry what was your question i was going to say what do you do to achieve like what do you do to try and achieve 100 percent output so that you're up at that kind of high octane level see the interesting thing is i used to be what you are yeah. you know i, I was a, i loved the hustle culture you know mm. gary v was the, obviously the the pinnacle of that at the time anyway mm. and i used to do sort of like 12 to 15 hours minimum and if i didn't hit that quota i was like this this day's been crap this day's yeah. been terrible i've not actually achieved what i wanted to and i look back on those times now on what i'd actually achieved in that front and there's only one thing that stands out to me and that was creating the website from scratch i created a website that took me 11 months to create at that point and other than that nothing else was really an insane success in my eyes yeah. you know and what i realized was that i wasted so much time doing things that didn't really matter to feel like i was being productive and feel like i was pushing myself forward yeah. and i didn't actually get anywhere with it so mm-hmm. when i took a step back and i started to read this is when i started to get into the habits you know i started to read i started to meditate a little bit more i consumed better content i was actually taking action on rather than just content for the sake of consuming it yeah. i stopped working as much I I worked maybe four or five hours of like deep work a day, I would say. And I feel more successful in my business and my life than I've ever felt throughout this whole time. And that's because everything I do now is structured in a way that gets me closer to the person I want to be. Mm. And there's something that I always try to remember about getting that 100% output is that within the time I work, 
whenever I can do that 100%, I've got to go and do something that I enjoy afterwards because as sad as it is to say, anything can happen, you know, at any point. Yeah. If I continue to work 15 hours a day when the time I was doing it and then pass away, you know, what have I really got to enjoy about the life that I had had? And I get yeah. that it's important to grind and work away and do all that sort of stuff, but even yesterday, I knew a boy who I played football with for a couple of years and he sadly passed away yesterday and he was 23. That's so mental, man. We really don't have a grasp on what can go on. And mm. when I realise and when I look back to the two different people of who I am now, working these hours and I'm structured and I've got my habits and my priorities, but also gaining experience and that person who was working 15 hours, the person I am today is the one that I would always choose no matter what. Yeah. And I feel that 100% output has to come from knowing what you want. Do you want to be the CEO who's running 200 employees? Or do you want to be the person that chooses what they want to do with their time when they want to do it? As you said, like the Paula comparison. Yeah. Paula, Gary Vee, the two separate people, both incredibly successful, both live different lives. Yeah. So you've got to choose what you want and not what other people want, because then you can determine what your output actually is and then what you need to do to get there. Yeah. I think that's a great take on it, mate. I think you've <coughs> decided, like, broken down exactly how my mind operates in it to the point where life is too short in it. Yeah. You don't know how, you never know how short it's going to be. And it's yeah. like, what is, is there any point in sacrificing today for a, for a better tomorrow when tomorrow isn't mm-hmm. guaranteed? Yeah. It's that kind of thought process on it that, like, am I just doing all of this and anything could happen tomorrow and i think for me like my reality check on that was when i went out 250 days straight that yeah. i just my health just started to just deteriorate mate and i started yeah. to feel so shit bro i started to feel terrible and it got yeah. to that point and the funniest thing was bro i felt so bad that i thought i was gonna like pass out potentially and i still yeah. hopped on my call mate and i hopped on the call with the guy and i was like just like you know brian mate I'm not really feeling too good today, bro. I might have to hop off. As soon as he started speaking, just like wave over my body, mate. I was like, holy fuck. Uh-huh. I was like, Brian, we need to hop off, mate. And as soon as I hopped off, mate, I said this to Kyle. I, I just broke, broke down, mate. I was uh-huh. absolutely burnt out beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And my mum was like, that was when typical mum attitude. She was like, right, John. Yeah know nothing in it you're you're sitting in your bed i'll make you your scran no work shit no work shit <laughs> give me your email give your emails to me give them to bex uh-huh. do whatever you need to do and just sit and do nothing for a few days yeah. and it was almost like because i worked myself to that level it was like those three days felt like i i, I needed them I, they were justified because yeah. i took myself at breaking point and yeah. see those three days off mate see when i woke up on monday mm-hmm. And I came out, I was, when I was in the shower, all that zen state of mind, so many ideas yeah. are flown. When I came out of the shower, I had three solutions for three problems that had been driving me crazy for like a month, mate. Uh-huh. And it was like, holy shit. Like, I've just solved three problems that have been a massive, like, pain in my ass for yeah. so long. And it was like, how did I do this without having to take three days off, was mm-hmm. my question. But it's like, I feel like you can only reach that through meditation if you were to right. continue to work X amount of days. Uh-huh. Like, I only take one day off a week from streaming. Right. And then, why in Saturdays and Sundays is kind of like, obviously no calls or nothing. 
but I'm yeah. maybe doing some work here or there. Uh-huh. But it's it's an uh, it's a kind of the question I kept asking myself was like, how did I get here on that Monday that I remember, where solutions are flowing, my brain is not foggy, my brain is not yeah. clogged. I feel nice, mate. I feel good. Uh-huh. How did I get there without having to take three days off? Is yeah. there even an answer for it, mate? Well, I'm yet to find it. But it's it's a good question because the problem with it is that the only person who can ever answer that is you. Yeah. You know, everyone is different. And for me, for a very long time, I listened to too many people about mm. how they want their life to be and not how I wanted my life to be. Yeah. I, I might not get the success that I am aiming for in the same space if I were to work 15 hours a day, yeah. you know? But I'm okay with that. And I have completely accepted that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing to impact other people's life for the better and my own. Yeah. And as you were saying, when you work those 250 days, your health started to deteriorate. Mm. You can make all the money in the world, right? But if your health's shit, you're not really living your life. You know, yeah. if you can't go out with your mates and play sport, if you can't go out a walk without feeling dizzy, if you can't, I don't know, drive somewhere to go walk up a hill, what experiences can you have other than sitting at your desk and doing nothing? Yeah. You know, and it's, I always try to remind myself of the question of, what are you going to remember on your deathbed? You yeah. know, what are you going to remember looking back? Is it going to be that you were talking to some people online or is it going to be the experiences you actually went out and got? Yeah. You know, the, the things you've done, the crazy shit that happened in your life and the leaps that you took for yourself, your health, your business, your relationships and all that sort of stuff. And you've just got to keep questioning it. Yeah. You know, you've got to keep questioning how that is possible for you and what your ideal life looks like because we're all we're all still very young in this process you know we haven't been doing business for 20 years yet yeah so there's a lot to learn and we're always going to be learning more about what we want to do every day but you've got to keep questioning it because the moment you start of you know just accept where you're at is the moment it will start to dwindle yeah it's 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 tough because you're you're not going to find your answer right away. It's not something I can just give, you know, because it doesn't exist. I, I don't have that. Yeah. Uh, no, I know I you'll find it at one point, and it will be incredibly uh, eye opening. No, I agree, mate. That. And I think um, as I mean, I've kind of focused on one thing that you said, and I've brought up multiple times is you know listening to what you're trying to tell yourself, and there isn't yeah. really any sort of. When I'm missing my stretches on a day, it's like, right, why am I actually missing my stretches? I'm not just forgetting them. I'm not just dabbling in and out. Uh-huh. Why am I really not doing my stretches in it? Like, why? Uh-huh. And the conclusion I came to was that I didn't believe that they were actually going to fix me. Yep. That was what it was deep with. And I, and I sat with Rebecca and I was like, tell her, are these stretches going to put me in a level of mobility so that I can get back to benching and get back to lifting at a level where... I felt good about my body again, and yeah. I don't mean I don't mean how I look physically. I mean genuinely how I feel in my yeah. body. And she looked at me in the eyes and she was like, "Yes, like this will one hundred percent any sort of mobility training will help your body in any way, shape, or form. If you've got rotor, ro- rotator cuff issues, any form of stretching over a long period of time with maybe a bit more intense stretching as time goes on, you'll get to a level where you can go to the gym again and you can start benching." Yeah, that was alright, cool. I'm gonna do it then. And from there I've not missed a day. In any days that I if I if I ever went a day, for example, last night I wasn't feeling too good. And I usually mm-hmm. do them in the night if I don't do it right. in the morning. Uh-huh. So today I made a, a ritual that 
because I wasn't feeling good yesterday, as much as it's a day, it's a day to write off if I'm not feeling good. I mean, yeah. sure, I do them twice a day. Not the first thing in the morning. I'll do them exactly when I go to bed at night. And it's that mm. kind of like being strict with myself in a way that it, it is kind of like, like I was saying, it's not necessarily sacrificing today for a better tomorrow. It's suffering for that short period of time. I'm stretching for like 15 minutes, mate. Yeah. What kind of excuse is that not to do that, mate? Do you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous, bro. It's absolutely ridiculous, mate. And, like, a lot of people have that kind of attitude towards anything that could benefit them. I don't have time to journal. I don't have time to schedule. I don't have time yeah. to meditate. Um, and it was that thing that you brought up about Tim Ferriss, mate. That saying. Yeah. That's stuck in my mind for a while. Um, was it you said? If you don't have 10 minutes, if you can't find 10 minutes in a day to meditate, you need to meditate for three hours a day. Yeah. I've been thinking about that, bro. Because I've had days <laughs> where I've, like not found the time quote-unquote uh -huh. not found the time um and i've just sat there like why man like why am i uh -huh. not why am i like what and i think the realize the realization i'm having as well i watched the joe rogan podcast right with naval advocate and joe yeah was speaking about or naval's take on it was that meditation is literally the art of doing nothing nothing at uh -huh. all no app no focusing on breathing no nothing you sit there you close your eyes whatever happens happens that's like uh -huh. his attitude towards it and I thought, where is like the most breakthroughs happen for me in meditation? Mm -hmm. Most of them has been when I've just focused on my breathing and nothing yeah. else and just let my thoughts run through like the way he described in like an email inbox. Right. And it's like you're just filtering through all the emails, they're all passing. And yeah. eventually we get to the point where the inbox is zero. And at that point, it's like when you actually do close your eyes at that point, anything can happen. You know, yeah. you, know you can have crazy transcendent state of minds and all, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Um, but to get to that stage, that's the most difficult part that I think a lot of people struggle with, and yeah. even me included, mate. It's been a weird one, mate, because meditation, there was a point in my life where prior to probably when I started streaming, probably after I met like Posty, who big, big time business owner, he was speaking to me about meditation, um, and after that point I took his advice because he meditates for two hours a day. So right. when I took his advice, I was like, right, cool. if he's meditating for two hours a day and he's running X amount of companies and that, it's kind of yeah. obvious that I need to be doing this. <laughs> like, no shit, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I did, I got really on top of it, mate, and I started mm. to get to a good level from it. I, and I don't know why I stopped, but when I did stop, I did realise a difference in my mood. Yeah. felt more agitated, and I felt like I wasn't getting solutions fast enough. Uh. And you do, I mean, you slip down that slippery slope instead of just getting back up. You just let yourself just fall, mate. And I think, yeah. I, I think that's what happened to me. And now I've, I've struggled to get back to the level I was at with meditation. Uh -huh. Where when I do my 10 minutes, I'm thinking about the time that the time was on and all that. But yeah. I'm not really focusing on it. Uh -huh. And it's like, try to get myself back into that kind of like habit of doing it properly. That's uh -huh. what it is, like you said. And creatures of habit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on the basis of what you are. On the basis of what you were speaking about, I mean, you've, you've brought up some, like, phenomenal points, I think. Um, so, I, I guess the person you are now, what mm -hmm. model best applies to your life that you feel like you live by on a daily basis? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say, for me, you know, it's sort of along the lines of make other people's lives better, because yours will be better from that. It's um, a really good I, model, mate. I try to make sure that the value i'm giving to others is something that they will benefit more than what i benefit from it yeah 
So I try not to look for something in a conversation. I try not to get something out of someone. If something manages to happen out of a conversation, great. But the first sort of thing for me is how can I give them value? Uh, and even if it's even if they can't give anything back, then at least you've let them go away thinking good about themselves. And I mean, what what better feeling really can you get other than that? You know, that's a great moment. And the thing is, I knew this would be I knew this would be good, right? Because no matter what on the checking goals that you have, no matter how complicated the question I ask you, there's never a what or i don't understand or any sort of like you never delay like you're never delay your answer you just have a good long think about it mate your answer <laughs> on it's phenomenal and i think that when i think back to my 18 19 year old self i wanted that faceless brand i wanted nobody to know yeah. who i was i wanted to roll up in glasgow in my ferrari and still nobody know who i was <laughs> and uh-huh. nobody would even when i got in my car nobody would know what i was doing why i had that car everyone mm-hmm. most likely think that i'm like leasing it or renting it for like a day right. or whatever yeah. and i love that kind of shit because i love the fact that nobody knew where i got to be and it was my idea of it was through day trading through the foreign exchange right. market i became obsessed yeah. with it and that kind of stuff and i think that it's weird because it's it's kind of like that whole one man's trash is a man's treasure mm-hmm. in a way with life whatever you have an abundance of you usually want the opposite of it yeah so when i think about when i was trading i felt like i didn't have as much purpose right because everything i was doing was just from me my why yeah. wasn't that big because I, and it probably told me it probably taught me a lot about myself because if I, if my wife's not big enough for me to do something just for me, then what's going on there? Why yeah. do you not value yourself above whatever it may be? Uh-huh. And that was when I realised that a lot of the results had that a lot of positive re- results that came from me in my life was through the bringing together of a good environment. Now I'm not talking about relying on other people for happiness. I'm talking right. about the the purpose that can be brought from knocking ideas out, bringing out the best in the people that are around you. Uh-huh. It's almost like, like, they were saying, like, we're creatures of habit. Yeah. That whole... I mean, I know people that, that can't go, like, without a day without a social interaction. Whereas yeah. for me, I could go a couple of weeks, mate. I'm quite introverted. Uh-huh. And, like, I kind of love that part about me. And it's right. weird because now I run a network, a business network, and I stream full time, so I hope my days are full with just speaking <laughs> to people, mate. It's the polar opposite. And it's probably why I do need these those couple of days to charge my batteries, mate. Uh-huh. Because I went I went the exact opposite where I used to say I used to have an extra bit of battery. I used to say it to Scott all the time. Right. My extra bit of battery's empty, bro. I'm going home, mate. And that would be it, bro. I'd, I'd go <laughs> I home. I like that actually. I really like that. <laughs> and I'd go home and that was it, bro. I just I'd sit. I'd turn my phone off, like the films you're buying, and I'd just sit and I'd watch whatever I wanted to watch, mate. Whatever TV series I was watching. And now it's the polar opposite, mate, almost. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a good answer to my question about the three days off aspect. Yeah. Because I I do, I I hate the concept of being on your phone 24 7. I hate the whole social construct around weekends. I hate, and it's almost like I just try and do everything. That everyone else isn't doing. And I think that's where my attitude kind of varies. Where I work the weekends because I know nobody, nobody else is. Yeah. 
or I work nights even though I go up at half five because I know nobody else is and I want back holidays and actually put the shift in because I know everyone else is chilling yeah but what do I actually get from that because I still feel I don't feel rejuvenated right. I just feel like I'm satisfied with the fact that I'm grinding that bit more but I'm yeah. grinding it lower output so that's where my brains are limbo mate because yeah, it, it is man it's it is challenging but as you, as we said, and as we mentioned earlier, you know we we always have the answer. Yeah. It's just if we were able to ask the better question or the best question for ourselves. So you have that answer. You've got that sort of battery. Yeah. That, that goes down, and with now you the polar opposite of what you used to be, you still have that sort of mechanic of being the introvert. You know, yeah. you still have that fundamental. You'll never lose that. And maybe it is time away from everyone and everything that can give you that clarity. And it doesn't have to be that long. It could literally just be at night. Yeah. You've just got to make sure that when you are working those nights and when you are getting up really, really early to then do all of this stuff, working the weekends, working the bank holidays, if that is going to give you what you desire, what yeah. you truly desire. And I'm not just meaning like, yeah, I'm working more than everyone else. I'm going to get to where I want to go. It's got to be... Is this going to make my life the way I want, the way I want it to be? Yeah. And if it's not, then you've got to rethink that and, and probably have an uncomfortable conversation with yourself. <laughs> and that's a, it's that whole. Um, and I've just got to the the sixth chapter of the subtle of not giving a fuck. Love it. And that chapter is all about how everything we think is wrong, <laughs> and how everything he thinks is wrong, and how nobody's actually got a grasp of the reality. Yep. <laughs> And it's the pure polar opposite of like your belief system, but it's fucked uh-huh. sitting reading it, mate. I'm reading it and I'm it's like, great. holy shit, this is so like challenging for your thought process. And it's uh-huh. like, and I see why a lot of people couldn't read that book because uh-huh. people struggle with having like no, no, no grasp on like purpose or why they're here. Yeah. Like the answer, there, there is no answer. We don't know why we're here. So like, and like the the construct we've got in place at the moment, and a and a world that is, or in most nations that are mainly dominated by capitalism, uh-huh. whatever we do is to generate money and wealth and all that kind of stuff. But that was just a kind of, could you call it a social construct? It's not. It was something that going back to hunter gatherer times when it was, uh-huh. you got up and you hunted, and if you didn't catch your food, then you died yeah like that was pretty that was the most subtle, yeah that was like, it that was lie. so like we've we've got this whole like abundance we've got an abundance of pretty much everything food um entertainment things like tiktok and the most crazy addicting you've literally got honestly mate see if people were as creative as what they are on tiktok in mm-hmm. content creation as they are in business or in life, yeah, they would go to levels that they never thought they would hit, mate. Some of the videos I see on there, every video I see on there, mate, that's on that for you page or whatever it may be, uh, is it such a high level of creativity, mate? Honestly, God, and so, some of them are stupid. Some of them are stupid. Don't get me wrong, yeah, of but course. a lot of them, mate, the levels of creativity that people go through is is phenomenal. And if they applied it to their life, and it was why the Neville Ravikant theory about how everybody can be rich and wealthy. Yeah. everyone on this planet his take on it i now believe it's just a matter of like it would force people you're almost 
like his take on it was that your or Joe Rogan's take on it was that you need to lead the horse to the water and then force him to drink. And it's yeah. like it would require people to put in work and most people don't uh-huh. some people don't buy putting work in it. Yeah. Um I, I it's a it's a kinda concept that the creative mind, mate. And if everyone is just as just as creative, we could get to a place that was so advanced. I think so anyways. Yeah. Everyone everyone can be successful. I believe anyway. I, I think everyone has something that they would really enjoy to do and can make them extremely successful. But the reason the world is the way it is is because that's not the case. You know, yeah. most people are not willing to push that comfort zone. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, you know. We have to understand that it that it is a balance, you know. If everyone was wealthy no one would be wealthy you know there would always be a hierarchy especially when money is the way that most people define success you know so i i fully agree in the sense that everyone has the creativity to make whatever they want their complete life success if they choose to do so most just don't and that's that's the simple fact you know you can only help someone so far and you can't often force feed the horse yeah. to drink the water in like that they've got to make that decision on themselves they've got to they've got to come up with that theory and it's something from how to win friends and influence people honestly believe it's my favorite book of all time and it's just that understanding that people need to think of the, the solution by themselves yeah. they need to decide in their own mind this is the solution i'm going to take action on it because Else, it's just some idiot telling them what the solution is, and them saying "fuck you" and going away. Yeah, and 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 then nothing ever happens at that point. Yeah, no, I can agree more. And it's like um, the first thing that springs in my mind is like investing, for example. Yeah. If someone was to invest, if someone was to message you and go, "Hey, Andrew, I think I should invest in Bitcoin. What do you think?" Yeah, uh-huh. and your take on it was. The most logical take on it is that, and it is that make sure you do your research, make sure you know what yeah. you're investing in, make sure that you actually have a a plan in place. You're not just investing because everyone else is investing. Yeah. And say Bitcoin was to rise, and you were to say to them, say you were to give a piece of advice, and you were to say, I think Bitcoin's going to rise. Mm-hmm. And off the back of that, make sure you do your research though. Don't just don't just invest because other people are doing it. Yeah. And they invest in it without doing their research mm-hmm. and it does rise they're going to look at it in a way where you know i've made x amount of money it's kind of like the gambling kind of attitude you know yeah. i win x amount i'm going to be able to win more and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but if it crashes you know you're the devil you're 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 the devil yeah. to him in it you're the devil yeah. to them and it's like the only way in which a lesson can be learned from investing or through anything in life is through the, the kind of experience that would come with investing where you get your fingers burnt. You invest yeah. X amount, you lose it all, and then you sit there and you, you're, you're burning and oh, make you feel terrible. You know, what's going on? You thought the whole world's crashing down upon you, you've lost X amount of capital, and you're sitting there wondering why. And then your why yeah. usually leads you to, I'm never going to do this ever again, which then yeah. leads you to, never touching any sort of investment portfolio ever again, which then leads you to a life of working for a salary, and yeah. that's pretty much it. And it's a crazy concept, mate. It's a crazy uh-huh. concept. And the lessons can only be learned, I feel like, through that 
that whole negative negative aspect and i can't remember who it was recently that i watched about that that you were talking about the things you remember in your deathbed uh-huh. it's like in order for you to get to a level that you want to get to the suffering and the the shit that you go through is all so badly needed in order for you to grow as an individual in it and they're the best things yeah they are they're, they're the things that help you grow the most over the long run uh, i spoke about this in a, in a podcast episode a while back on whether or not failure is actually making you better yeah and i think it's interesting and i agree with you to an extent there's some parts I, i'm a little bit on a, on a different spectrum in that front and i'd love to discuss it further yeah so i believe that winning and being successful teaches you great lessons on how to replicate your results so yeah. you gain experience through the the work that you've done and then with failure and with unsuccessful attempts there's two different types of people there's one who understands that this pain will go away and yeah. in the future it will be a great lesson on how to not do it for the next time and there's the others who say as you mentioned before nope never doing this again <laughs> i'm never taking a risk i'm never jumping yeah. and that's the people we don't want to be so i think success and failure can both teach you lessons success more so in the short term of gaining that experience failure over the long term because at the time of actually failing it hurts like there's no tomorrow yeah. that could be in your personal life or your business life you know there's there's a lot of things that go wrong there but during that time you are not thinking wow i'm so happy i failed you know mm-hmm. you're you're down you're you're sort of like how did i do this so wrong or how did something like this go wrong yeah but you have to remember that both of them are very valuable lessons you just can't be that third person who says i'm never doing this again because something went wrong because the reality is sometimes you can do everything right and still fail and it's such a it's such a bad thing to say but the difference from the people who are genuinely successful and not is when they do everything right and fail they still get back on the horse and try something else or try again yeah it's a lot easier said than done but to me success and failure can both teach you great lessons the experience of doing all of it is the one that gets you everything that you've ever needed and you're right it's the action that that determines it not the consumption yeah 100% I think that it's that kind of way if you it's like we refer to the whole you know I mean making the horse drink yeah if you make the horse drink like the the lesson or the the drinking of the water doesn't really solidify like any sort of like repetition of them being able to do it again in something like investing for example yeah if I say invest and for uh, if 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 there was any sort of advice that you would give and you would invest or for example you would relate it to life in itself you know take that risk they take that risk and then they hold you accountable and they don't hold any sort of responsibility that's what the fine line is mate with streaming especially and you'll understand that with your uh, um experience in streaming as well mate that there's such a fine line between what you can really say directly to somebody yeah and because it's so easy for people to pass accountability pass responsibility to someone yeah. else everyone everything that happens is because of you know my upbringing my trauma yeah. what i went through and don't get wrong man most of that shit just like mark manson speaks about he touches on it so well mate and he's he's yeah. somebody that is almost like put my thought process to writing mate yeah like i've never understood how to describe it to someone without feeling like a dick uh-huh. But the truth is, he just owns that, yeah. mate. He's like, ah, uh-huh. dick. Yes. and that's it. And it's, and I think that's well, that could lead us into the. 
question in terms of because you were referring to your failure, your, any failure that you've had. Yeah. So anything that you've went through in life that you regret? Regret? No. Hmm. I mean, I guess there's some things when it comes to like personal relationships. You know, in the past, I wouldn't yeah. tell a girl that I, that I liked her <laughs> and I wanted to to have a relationship or yeah. something like that front. You know, but regret in terms of my business, no, because. Yeah everything i've done was outside my comfort zone and that's the best thing i could have done even mm. if it went shit up and nothing happened i'm so glad i've done it because it has helped me become who i am today the person i've always wanted to be and i'm no longer afraid of that no 100 mate that's such a good take because it's kind of similar actually to what i have you know like ah. there's no point in regretting anything that's happened in the past because it's made you who you are today yeah. Um, like I could very easily regret the eighteen-year-old self that I was. There's no point. Yeah. There's literally no point whatsoever. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't change anything now. Exactly, mate. And I think that when I think to I had such a good train of thought of where I was going to go with the the regret aspect. <laughs> It's just slipped my mind, mate. I, I had <laughs> such a good train of thought, mate, and I was holding on to it both for dear life, mate. And it's funny because you've done a post on this not too long ago, and it about people holding their tongue when they're speaking to somebody. Yeah. Because a, a lot of like people can't help but jump in. Yeah. Um, and it was like, I was just sitting there, I was thinking, you know, it'll come back to me. It was coming you'll get it at four in the morning, and you'll just text me. It sounds. I know. That actually will, mate. I'll need to drop in the podcast. I'll hop off myself. <laughs> Sit here topless, mate. My Yoda doesn't get on. Start whacking it in. Since uh, since I've forgotten, anyways, we'll move on to something completely different, mate. Yeah, what is the well. stupidest thing you've ever spent your money on? Oh. Stupidest thing I've ever spent my money on. Try to look around the room and see if there's anything absolutely <laughs> stupid that I've bought. I got this question from the Optic Hex podcast. He is, it took a lot of inspiration from me, 600 seconds. This was one of the questions that was asked, and it was always one of the most entertaining. It's your best thing I've ever bought. What is the dumbest thing I've ever bought? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm trying to look around to see what I've got, but the thing is, I've done a massive clear out a couple months ago. Yeah. And I just like, I love the, the, the sort of minimalist things. Yeah. Um, so everything that just didn't mean anything to me, I chucked away. Yeah. Let me let me let me go on to you. What's the stupidest thing you've ever bought? And I'll think about it. Well, the thing is, right? See, and I'll put it on to the people that I've seen before, right? Because I think that we've not got enough life experience to really have something that we've really regretted buying. Because uh-huh. in order to regret buying something, I think you need to have a level of wealth. Like my attitude towards money and your attitude towards money is very similar to mine. Where uh-huh. I always think about what. What is going to get me to where I want to be? For example, I bought my car. Well, I I got my car, and I've wanted to do so much work to it, mate, and I've done mm-hmm. no work to it. And the main yeah. reason why is because there's no point. It's not going to get me to where I want to be. It's a fucking car. So, yeah. what is the point in using any cash that I'm making and not uh, invest it in myself or my business and invest it into yeah. my car? It's the most stupidest thing ever, and I'm not going to uh-huh. get into that trap of doing that. So, I think that. Probably, and that was obviously came from studying accountancy and with yeah, your yeah. background in it as well. I think that's yeah. why we don't really have something that we have really looked at and thought that's a mad regret. I think about, yeah. I mean, even money I spend on nights out, mate, I don't even spend that much, mate. I can go on like 50 quid, mate. Yeah, I, I, I get drunk really quickly, so mm. I don't need to spend that much. I literally would, I could go out 
I mean, especially on student nights, mate, I'd go out with like 40, 50 quid, mate, and I'd be sound, mate. Like, oh, yeah, I, I, like, 100%. There was no. Because a lot of dancers that I've seen were like more American based, were like bottle service, you know, cars. Yeah. Most like people from the UK, for example, it's, you know, designer clothes, stuff like that. I've never really like yeah. bought anything that's like. Yeah, same. Like that, mate, where I've, it's hit my bank. I mean, I think back to my. And it's so mad because you think about people programming. Every nah. Christmas, mate, I used to get all my dough and I'd roll in Boxing Day. I'd spend it all, mate. I'd spend it all. Right. I was like 13, 12, 13. I'd roll <laughs> in, mate. Put Asylum, JD, <laughs> pure cake in my closet, mate, thinking I'm a bad man. But in fact, it just, it just, it was, it actually fills me a bit of heartache, mate. I was almost embarrassed telling people that. Like, Fuck you, know. It's, uh, it's a time that is, oh, mate, splashing cash, bro. It's, it's, yeah, so, it's such I've the opposite. Never, I've never really had that. My, I don't buy designer clothes. Like, I'm not into that. Yeah. My car is the car I've had since 20, well, my brother bought it in 2013, and I've got it now, and I'm going to keep it until it dies. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I can think of is like subscriptions I forgot to cancel. Like my <laughs> Nintendo Switch subscription, I forgot to cancel it three times in a row, and it took money out. And it's not even that much, but know. it's just like there's there's nothing I would say over the last few years since I took accountancy when I left school. There's nothing I've bought that's really big and thought this was shit. This was such a waste of money. Yeah. There's obviously things like I bought a course. Like when I first started streaming, I bought a course on like email automation and it was being able to funnel, create a funnel system for emails. Yeah. And at the time I hadn't really known much about it. I just wanted to learn from experts. So I guess that could be, but then again, I've even got a, a bloody Instagram reel coming out about it. Anything you buy when it comes to your knowledge isn't a yeah. loss because even if you think on it, you're, that you're not going to take action, you're still learning who you don't want to be. No. And you need to do that when you're educating yourself. You know, you're going to take things that are just not worth your time. Yeah. So I guess that's the only... Th- but then again, no, it's not. <laughs> I can't think of my Nintendo Switch subscription. That's the best <laughs> answer you're getting, sadly. <laughs> so it's such a letdown. That is such a... Like, you know, somebody that's like an accountant saying it's made me really think that, like, I think my attitude towards money... Obviously, it changed with Secrets of Millionaire Mind. That was the main turning yeah, yeah. point. But because I realised that everything that we think about, especially growing up, is just the verbal programming of our parents. Yeah. And I think about, like, the way in which I was taught to handle money in a way. My dad, massive saver, mm-hmm. hoard cash, yeah. really tight. My mum, spender. She loves yeah. spending. So, like, I oh, would yeah. just... I would save for long periods of time and just splash it all, mate. Something like Christmas, for example, like get a large amount of money and just splash it. And it's like, I think that was when when I picked up that book, I realised, right, what is what I want to do with money? What is what I think is best with money? And that's when I really started to, I went, obviously, I started studying accountancy in my SAS, for example. When I was at college, I would, I was gaming, so I was competing on COD, so I didn't work. Yeah. That was like where my income was coming from. It varied yeah. massively. Some months I'd make none, some months I'd make X amount. Yeah. And so I got £395 a month from SAS, and that was it. That's what I had to yeah. live off. So, like, my budget on that, being able to budget that, I had money left over each month, mate. Yeah. Like, because I learned how to live on such minimal, mm-hmm. that I was like, right, cost is easy then. Yeah. 
because I learned how to live on such minimal cash. I know a lot of people will listen to that and go, ah, there's no way I could live on that. I've got rent, mm-hmm. I've got this, I've got that. And yeah, I was still staying with my mum. So, yeah. like, oh, it, it was optional. But I mean, I know a lot of people that still stay with their parents and yeah. they don't budget at all. So, they, they splash everything. Yeah. And it is, it's kind of uh, uh, what the question I was going to lead it to was what do you think that studying accountancy has given you a massive benefit in your attitude towards money? Or do you think you got it from somewhere else? Uh, yeah, I see. I studied accountancy in high school as well. So mm. I done in like fourth year to sixth year. I done or fourth, fourth and fifth year. I done accountancy, and then sixth year I done business. Right. So, yes, to an extent. After that, I, I started to become interested in business, and finances was a big thing that I learned yep. about from the get go. Rich Dad Poor Dad was one of the first audiobooks I got. Yeah. And this was when I wasn't reading, and I wasn't really like improving myself. So I listened to that book, honestly, about 35 to 40 times on Audible, just over and over yeah. again. And I realized how important your financial literacy is. And yeah. even the smallest things, see, just having a budget, you actually create so much freedom. And my brother and I were talking, he's uh, about to become, uh, he's about to, to graduate to become a, a teacher. So he's budgeted what he's going to be earning and what he's going to be, where he's going to be putting his money. Yeah. And just doing that, you're able to get a form of control over your life way before anyone else can. I do believe that accountancy and that helped me. Yeah. And I wish everyone got taught it. Yeah. But if there's one lesson that anyone can ever take, whether you're in school or not, learn to budget. <laughs> that's, that's all you need to do. Because once you realize how much money you can save, you're going to think, okay, how can I make this money make me more money then? Yeah. And that's when you go into the rabbit hole of, of making more financial literacy, something that we all need 99% of people we don't have because they just don't know. We've never been yeah. taught. The only available programming we have is from our parents. Yeah. Uh, so we, we need to break out of that a little bit and, and ask ourselves questions that what we really want to do with our money. And that's why people got twisted on it, where in terms of, I mean, we're the first generation in it where we're no longer looking to our parents for the answers for anything in terms of yeah. because the world's evolved so much we're in the information era we've got everything at the tip of our fingers and that kind of stuff exactly. but it's also i mean i'll never forget when i started trading for example i started yeah. becoming obsessed with it. i started following a guy sam kavanagh on instagram and later about two years after following him i finally i had a meeting with him in costa and it was just to do with yin after i started yin i right. wanted to work with him and it was so funny because a friend I had at the time used to go to school with him, mm-hmm. and I remember I remember I asked um, I asked her how Sam got to where he is today. Yeah, and her answer was that he had rich parents. Right, like that was how he got to where he was today. And uh-huh. I thought, right, okay. And I thought mm-hmm. I don't know how true that is because that's yeah. what everyone's take as if someone makes it when they're young. They mostly had rich parents and yeah. it's been given to them is their attitude uh-huh. yeah. and it's that kind of jealousy aspect so when I, went, I sat down and I met him he started his first business when he was 16 yeah and it was uh it was an I mean if you listen to this it's going to mistake me I believe it was an army telecommunications devices wow. he would make them from scratch I can't recall what the experience how we got there or what it may be Mm-hmm. And he turned over X amount of money, and off the back of that, his business kind of had a stalemate because people started selling similar products at a much cheaper rate to what it was. Right. 
So his business kind of had a stalemate. Um, but while his business was making X amount, he decided to leave college. And when he was leaving college, it was actually the opposite of what his parents wanted him to do. Uh-huh. At least I believe that's what, he, uh, what I can recall because it was like a couple of years before lockdown was when I had that meeting with him. So it's a, it's a while ago. A while ago. So if I, if I muck up it and then you can out me on it. But <laughs> um, from everything that I gathered, it was all off the back of his own undoing whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and all the cash that he made from that business, he was like, right, cool, where, where do I want to move into now? And that's when he looked at Forex. And the same thing happened to me, hopped into Forex, got scammed, and the attitude was, right, cool, how do I make sure that this never happens to me or anyone I know ever yeah. again? And the same with me, I became obsessed with it, he became obsessed with it, and he ended up finding a mentor that he paid, he used his capital to pay his mentor to teach him everything that he knew. Uh-huh. And it took his business to a level that was... Obviously, where it is today, where he runs a training consultancy business, he's got a he's got a trading floor. His business is hitting levels. I mean, he's twenty one. He's Incredible. fucking nuts, mate. Absolutely <laughs> nuts, man. And That's amazing. I know, mate. And I think that it is that kind of like obviously it's jealousy, but also at the uh-huh. same time, it's it's the what's the word I'm looking for? It's like the ignorance. That nobody yeah. can achieve something at such a young age. Nobody can uh-huh. make anything happen at such a young age. And everything's handed to them. Whereas yeah. we are the first generation, mate, where we can go out and we can make anything if anything we want fucking happen, mate. I speak exactly. about it on stream all the time, mate, and people always an answer on it. It's always an answer uh-huh. like why someone can't do something rather than why something yeah. somebody oh, can. Yeah. Um, There's always excuses. A hundred percent, mate. So in terms of like the information, yeah, I know you don't reel on it. Believe, um, about how no, it's like the paradox of choice in it. Yeah, people have less information, but they don't take any action on it. Yeah, see this stuff. See what everything that you're teaching or the uh-huh. the coach that you're trying to be. Obviously, yeah. is that from you deciding one day that you're going to use all the information that you have at the tip of your fingers and implement it in a way that makes you authentic, makes it relating to your oneself. And you took advantage of the fact that we're in the information era? Or do you think that was something that was kind of solidified from an early stage in your life? There was certain aspects I think everyone takes from the early stage of their life. Yeah. I've always been quite a confident person at speaking to people. I really have always loved understanding people. The yep. way they, they speak, the way they handle themselves, the way they, they, they take action. And... All of that helped collectively bring me to where I am. I've definitely took advantage of the information era. I mean, we can learn from people like Warren Buffett, no. even people who are dead, with all of their their findings from a book or from Google. You know, there's so much there. No. And it's actually a, it's a term I, I deemed passive motivation with what I was saying in terms of people consuming so much but never taking action on it. No. So... To where I got today, I realized that my life was passive, passively motivated. Yep. All I did was consume, got a little bit, you know, motivated about what, what they were doing. And then I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. So <laughs> it was like three years ago, I decided, fuck it. Like, yeah. what, what is the worst that will happen if I take this jump? And at the time, the fear, the biggest fear was being bullied for doing something that was different, which was Twitch at the time. After that jump, I realized it wasn't actually that scary. It was nowhere near as scary as you thought it was, but you put this reality in your head 
that it's going to be 11 and t- 12 11 and 12 on this fear scale mm. but in reality it's maybe only like a three or four but the lessons you learn are way way above that so i've definitely took advantage of the information era but I believe that the way I've got to today is because of the actions that I've taken. And the reason why I'm wanting to do what I do is because I've done it through experience. And I yeah. think that's what people often forget. You know, they try to teach everything they're doing before they've had the experience and they want to rush it because yeah. we have so much information at our fingertips. And that's where the, the line is a little bit dodgy because yeah. people are trying to become experts without ever ever experiencing it i'm not saying that someone who reads everything couldn't be an expert on the topic but yeah. you learn different lessons from using the experiences that you've had personally because then you can mold them into a story that is authentic as you said that is you and then it can actually help people understand on a human to human basis rather than a human to google you know it's, yeah. it's two different ball games completely understand me i couldn't agree more and i think it's um because like when i look at the the content that we put out for example mm. so the kind of content that it's not necessarily that one step that one step that for example i don't know post today and it was about uh like i said the pessimistic you know like who i was when i was 18 and it also was what i took away from it was like like how often does anyone really look at who they became today and yeah. like really actual like having any shown any sort of compassion or gratitude or whatever towards himself yeah. how often are people actually grateful for what they're experiencing on a day-to-day basis how often are people yeah. actually that's where the gratitude journals come in for me mate that there were nights and i feel like i've achieved nothing and uh-huh. i'm not grateful for anything and it's like what the fuck am i talking about mate like i'm not grateful for what i you could go you could strip it all the way down from yeah relationships and whatever it may be to the fact that i've got four limbs and yeah i've got a house over my head and all that kind of I stuff think. there's always something to be grateful for yeah 100 and i think the gratitude journal's gonna help me help me with that kind of aspect because now even outside the gratitude journal i'll just be sitting and something will happen anything will happen or nothing will happen even just now grateful for the fact that we're sitting here i look at my setup nowadays mate i used to sit and play on a tiny little unit mate on a uh-huh. LG monitor that wasn't a monitor, it was actually a TV, 10 millisecond dis- d- display response time. And it's like when I first got my setup, it's like that whole instant, oh my god, this is my setup, and then it all just kind of dwindles away. Yeah. And you just get used to it. And it is that kind of like, it's, it's a crazy time, mate, because you can, when you get into that state of mind that we're in, where you're grateful for so much that's happening, you're constantly in a good state of mind. And when you yeah. do hit that kind of low, the habits and the self-discipline, like you were saying, like passive motivation, kind of Paul Elliott's take on it when he came in and spoke. I've carried that with me since that event, and it's with the whole, you know, motivation is temporary, self-discipline is forever. So yeah. in the days where I feel like shit, habits are like, right, cool. Habits are still going to keep me going. I'm yeah. not going to sit here and convince myself that I can take a day off because I've got a bit of a sore head. Yeah. Like, don't bullshit yourself or just fucking uh-huh. get up and do your stretches, mate. Or don't go for a walk or yeah. read or do something that's going to get your mind ticking because you're, you're one tick away from. I mean, I look at like why you end becoming a reality, mate. Like, one call was all it took before why yeah. you end started snowballing and it's got it to where. And I think. Like, where you're at now. Exactly, mate. And the content that we put out, or at least for me, anyways, not there's no way that 
we could change someone's life just from that one video but the butterfly effect technically oh, yeah. the butterfly effect from that could change someone's life which technically yeah. means our video could change someone's life yeah but the overall action afterwards i had a guy day me today speaking about cold showers and how mm. much cold showers has benefited him um and how he's been doing them for like six weeks and the level of clarity he's achieved from it has been phenomenal whatever he does after that like there's no like it's good it's him it's the yeah. actions on him and it's like that whole lead the horse to the water uh-huh. get him to feed as well it's it's where it makes what we're doing quite difficult yeah in a way and it's accepting that and what you were saying about the whole like starting streaming bullying mm-hmm. that kind of shit that was what yeah. stopped me from pursuing gaming fully when i was uh-huh. 16 ish uh took some time away from cod because the 18 rule ke- 18 plus rule came in couldn't yeah. go to events anymore started playing destiny it's fucking nuts mate absolutely nuts and i'm not wanting to take my own horn when it comes to gaming everyone that knows the amount of times i've dedicated to it will know how good i am uh-huh. but in terms of destiny i was at a level where like just nobody could touch me and it was a game yeah. that was such a large skill gap on it and i just got mm-hmm. there before everyone else and I started pushing out content and I instantly started getting the piss ripped at me, mate. And it was enough yeah. for me to just stop. Yeah. And I, and I, I that would be, that would be a regret for me. Stopping yeah. then. But at the same time, it, if I did push out the content then, yes, I could be more successful. And from a YouTube standpoint or a content creation standpoint, I could have a bigger mm-hmm. platform and that kind of stuff. But I wouldn't have went down the path that I took to get me to where I am today. Maybe yeah, never know. started by again. You have never started streaming from a COD basis. Who knows where we could be in it? I could be. Yeah. I don't know the butterfly effect of where it may be. So, for me, that was probably my biggest regret. But also that Mark Manson quote: the fact that we're not actually that important. Yeah. People don't actually care about us as much as we think. Nah. Something that I've carried with us a lot. Um, a lot. For example, yesterday, I pulled out in front of somebody when I shouldn't have pulled out in front of somebody at a roundabout. Bamped my horn, he, like, he bamped his horn, he was raging at me. Jack in my seat was pure buckling and I was like, oof, guy's uh-huh. fucking raging in it. And if I was an anxious kind of guy, or if I cared about the fact that guy was bamping his horn at me, he was raging at me. But the truth is, man, he just takes his exit. Yeah, he's fuming for a bit. But just like that, his worries are yeah, back elsewhere and he's doing whatever he has to do. You're not uh-huh. actually that important to what yeah. you create. So, I guess that leads me to who's been the greatest influence in your life and how much have they actually impacted you and where, to be fair, have they actually impacted you? I would say the the biggest impact in my life was my brother. Yeah. Um, after my mum had passed, I got really close with my brother uh, for mm-hmm. a time period and then, especially over the last few years, uh, as we've both grown up, he's now, what, 25? So yep. we got a lot closer in, in talking with one another and our ambitions and goals and all that sort of stuff. And Craig was the first one to support me. Craig is my brother, by the way. Yep. Sorry, I should clarify that. Um, he was the first one to support me in everything that I was doing. Yep. When I was doing Twitch, when I wanted to quit, when I stopped streaming, when I stopped posting on certain social medias, when I changed to wanting to become this coach, you know, he was the first one to, to listen and to hear me out, and to give his opinion, and to tell me that no matter what I was doing, he would back me. Yeah. And I think that support system changed my life for the better, because 
although once I left school, when I took the jump into streaming and all that sort of stuff, people could bully me all they want. I don't know if they did. I, didn't, I never really got negative things because I didn't really tell anyone what I was doing for the first year, but yep. Craig was always there to support me, no matter what. He came to my streams when there was no one watching. Yep. He talked to me. He, he, he hyped me up when I'd done really well. I remember one of the things when I, I, I think I reached 50 subs for the first time ever on stream, and I went downstairs to to get something to eat. And he was waiting there and he and he, he just had this massive smile on his face and he gave me a, an incredible high five and like just congratulating me. Yeah. And I think that support system just changed my life for the better because I was able to believe in myself before I actually did. Yeah. You know, he was able to show me that people actually do believe in what I do and I've just got to believe myself a little bit more. Yeah. So he is definitely to this day still um, the the biggest impact and, and the most imp important person for me moving forward with all of this. Wait, that's me. I mean, it's kind of like a bit of speechless, mate. To be fair, because it's something that's like very close to you, mate. Like yeah. in any way, shape, or form. And I think those sort of things, one, it's just phenomenal isn't it, to have someone supporting you on that level. It really is. And, one of the reasons to why I am like here where I am today because without the support system around me, yeah, there was a place in business where I didn't believe I belonged here. Uh -huh. Just because of the people that I was meeting, they were nothing like me. Yeah. And I think without the correct support network, without the correct people around you, without someone to just be your biggest supporter, fuck me, man, when the going gets tough, mate, it's can be, can be really hard mate, it can be really hard man, and it's easy to look at, I mean I spoke about a, a bit about a, something I seen on social media and it was um, a girl was saying about, and the way that she put it, I, I get why people would be pissed off at her, but she put it across in a way that was, I guess re relating to basically calling people out for what they're doing on, a, on their day to day life, you know, right. about the fact that when on her bank holidays, let's put it, I can't remember exactly how it's worded, but it was basically like, on her bank holidays, she's doing self-development. On mm. her weekends, she's working on her business. Mm. On her weekdays or weeknights, she's going to the gym and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. she basically just put it at the end, you're going out at the weekend, you're working on 85, we're not the fucking same, is what she yeah. put on it, right? And obviously, you can understand like how I could get some sort of conflict, mate. <laughs> but the guy just pulled the guy. A guy quoted the tweet, um, and basically just ripped her as an individual, ripped her as how she looked, ripped her as how she what she was doing, and basically just like tore it to shreds, very much. And her original tweet had a thousand to two thousand likes. Right. His tweet had over a hundred thousand. And they've been oh up God. for two days. And if that doesn't tell you a lot about society, I mean, in terms of responsibility, if a tweet is getting you riled up to the point where you have to tear someone to shreds in order to make yourself feel better, yeah. at what level of responsibility do you need to look at yourself and think about what the fuck you've got going on in your life? Uh -huh. And it's that kind of does the shoe fit kind of shit in it. Yeah. If that's jarring you to the point where you're reading it and you want to put a tweet where you're going to, you know, slaughter somebody, in levels that you know could result in anything mate could result in anything with the way in which things are things happen in this day and age mm -hmm. it would what level are you going to look at the fact that most of it is probably truthful 
Yeah. And he probably resents himself. And how many people in this day and age resent what they're doing and cover it up by taking the piss out of others, not taking a step into of any, uh, taking any sort of risks, sticking to the norm, doing every sort of social construct there is, uh-huh. getting hammered at the weekends, escaping reality, doing every drug under the sun. Like, at what point will anyone really actually look at like what they're doing? Uh-huh. and decide to take any sort of active change. I don't know if that will ever be the case, and that's why the whole Neville Ravikant theory, I don't think it will ever become a proper reality to the way in which I would love it to be, because the the majority is that. Yeah. It's sad, mate. It's fucked it because you don't... If everyone just supported each other, or made everything constructive, and that's why, especially in gaming, especially in life, especially in business, Speaking down to someone, speaking to them like a piece of shit, I don't care who the fuck you are, mate. It's it's not or uh, what way you think it works in your head. It's mm-hmm. not it's very rarely depending on the verbal program, it's very rarely gonna bring out the best in them. Especially yeah. if you don't know them that well. Yeah. No, Why I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um it's obviously her tweet. In reality, they aren't the same. Yeah. You know, because yeah. everyone is different. Mm-hmm. If she wants to develop herself and go to the gym and all that, great. Uh, and if that person doesn't want to do that, then that's fine too. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's why we're all unique and different, and it's great. And it does come back to the, obviously, in a way, it seems like her ego, yeah. you know, gets the better of her. Yeah. And that's when it can become a problem for a lot of people because there's a there's a fine line between being egotistical and confident. You yeah. know, you, you you've got to understand that you've got to be humble with what you do. You know, you don't. Uh, it's it's always the one I go back to, you know, a, a positive person and a nice person doesn't have to show that they're nice. Yeah. They just are, mm-hmm. you know? And the guy who quote tweeted it, and as you were saying, you know, a lot of people are usually using it as a mask yep. to hide their own insecurities or things that have gone wrong in their life. Now, some people, it probably isn't, you know, some people are are, are going to be extremely knowledgeable with what they do. And maybe in, in some sense, the way she worded it, it, it was it was sort Tickled of coming a couple from, of feathers. From, yeah. Uh-huh. From yeah. another from another side. But the problem is that whenever someone does retaliate back or says something like that, people often don't want to ask the hard questions themselves. Yeah. And there was an amazing thing in How to Win Friends and Influence People, and it was basically about I can't exactly remember the quote, but it was saying you shouldn't complain about the snow in the roof of your neighbors when you've not even checked your front doorstep. You know, you you need to look at yourself first and your house and your foundation before you go and complain about anyone else because no. looking inward is going to make the biggest change complaining about other people making fun of other people bringing other people down in the long run is not going to do anything for you you might no. get some gratification in the very very short term but at the end of the day no one ever wins an argument you know you both lose no. uh, it's it's just the, the the reality of it it's whether or not people are willing to accept that as the case or not see it's just gotten to the point though where i'm so open-minded and Uh, also like open-minded and less caring i I just i just don't care that much about something something like that for example Uh to me yes it's so no matter what somebody says to me I can always put myself in a layer. I mean, you look at it, like Gary, he always speaks about it. Someone was mm. to like abuse him verbally. He goes to the root of compassion. Yeah. I'm kind of the same, mate, to be fair, because I think about what is going on with them. 
what's going on in their life why would they be speaking to me like that if yeah. i'm driving and i've got the music blaring and somebody comes out their house true story comes out their house and shouts and balls at me if i have my music too loud what's really going on in their life in order for that to really be that much of a bad influence yeah. on them um and that's kind of the level that i go to where what are people's priorities in that kind of front and how and just having a bit of compassion for them rather than retaliating in any sort of way shape or form i never care enough to retaliate there was obviously a line where you cross that line mate i'm not gonna have any time for you yeah it's kind of my attitude towards it and that's where i leave it at that and i think i kind of learned that from scott mate remember uh-huh. me, and, me and scott and if anyone doesn't know scott's like got to be my best mate since we were like 15 um and scott's actually remember having this conversation and it was something to do with like just betrayal somebody was right. somebody was doing something that was just questionable and that kind of stuff and we kind of got into the topic of conversation it means got getting all, all kinds of funky topics uh-huh. but it was like i remember i was sitting and i was saying to him what have i done that just a pure like throwing my question maybe we'll be driving and he'll turn around and he'll say to me what are you thinking about just now and I'll give them the most honest answer, like literally exactly what I'm thinking about. And if I'd done the same, it'd be the exact same. So they sort of questions. Yeah. There's no like, oh, why is he asking that? Is that sus uh-huh. and all that kind of shit? Yeah. It was just the top of conversation at the time. Mm-hmm. And his attitude was wholeheartedly, I betrayed him, he accepted it, and he'd move on, and that would be it. Mm-hmm. We'd never speak again. And it was like, I remember hearing it from him, and I was like almost lit hurt through my verbal yeah. programming at the time because i was only like what's that 17 ish uh-huh. i was like fucking hell mate just cut me like that rather than like hear me and all that if and the thing is i would never ever do because i look at my values and like what i put at the forefront yeah of course no way would ever break anyone's trust or honesty yep, yeah exactly but it was almost like fucking hell man like even if something hit the fan or turmoil happened or whatever it may be it was just like his attitude was just like it was just done that was it and i was just kind of like isn't that the most logical the most logical peaceful way to go about things mm. on for your own internal well like for your for your own well-being yeah to have that kind of attitude and that's why whenever i see shit in social media when i'm playing cod or when i'm having a bad day or whatever it may be just not caring that much about what's really going on allows me to kind of have a level of clarity and calmness and i think it kind of all relates back to that exact moment and it's weird how our verbal programming shapes us because that's me essentially being verbal programmed by like my best mate and it's bettered my life on so many levels mate because it's allowed me to be okay with the fact that people in my life aren't going to be around forever people in my life i'm not going to spend my that whole five the complex of five and all that about five minute people 50 minute people and that kind of five hour people yeah. it's it, it allowed me to be more okay with that and to accept that and to accept the fact that not everyone is going to be your person not everyone mm-hmm. is going to love you for who you are not everyone's going to like you for who you are not everyone's going to be you know at a level where everyone on this planet fucking loves you it's just not it's not yeah. possible and it allowed me through that three to have a level of calmness that was just calmness about life where nothing really mattered that much uh-huh. almost like and i had someone in my chat gildy ian 
he said that it's basically like, and I think the term he uses was like very subtle nullism. I think it was what he uh-huh. spoke about. Um, and it's a really good take on it because it kind of is. It's accepting the fact that life isn't that it, it important enough to care about the things that really don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a that was a massive transformation. I think in my life. Yeah. That it brought me to brought me to a level of calmness, and clarity. Like I said. Um, what was your kind of take on that? No, it's it's really interesting, and it is something I've been working on over the last few years to not care so much. There's something I read uh, a while back, and it's it was saying that you don't even like everyone, so <laughs> why would you think everyone will like you? Yeah. And I used to have that sort of issue of wanting everyone to like me and trying not to do anything that would hurt someone's feelings. But it it came a point where you know when you try to hurt no one's feelings, you somehow hurt everyone's. You know, you say the wrong thing completely, or you do the wrong thing completely and it somehow hurts everyone rather than the, the person you're, that you should only care about in yourself. Yep. And it can be a little bit selfish at some points when you do that. And as obviously Scott said, that he would just let you go if you were to, to completely break his trust. But he's totally right. Yep. It's the best way to do it. You know, it is the most logical and it makes the most sense for your own self. It's just, I think we've become so accustomed now, especially with social media, to uh, try and belittle and take down and cancel other people who have yep. done something wrong. And I, um, there's been a few people who I really looked up to in social media and they've been sort of called out for their wrongdoings and they were, some of them were pretty bad, you know, but I, I never, I would I never tweeted about them, you know, I never yeah. tried to bring them down further. I just merely unfollowed them and then hopefully no. they improve their own, their own lifestyle. No. And it's nothing on me. And if they do, great. And if they don't, fine too. It's not my problem because at the end of the day, it's your own health that you've got to look after. It's your own self surrounding yourself with the people who match your values and match who you are and when those people who i looked up to lost that then they lost that trust you know they Mm -hmm. lost that that person to look up to and they could just as well in the future earn it back from me personally but one they shouldn't care about my single opinion and two that may never happen so to me it doesn't bother me and to them i hope it doesn't bother them because i wouldn't say anything to them as there's no point no one benefits from it and they also have the chance to grow within internally in themselves, and hopefully they realise that after some of the mistakes that they make. And I think that's what people need to take maybe more away from things when they do lose friendships and all that sort of stuff. What can you take away from the friendship? Why did it happen? Was there something that I had done that I can improve upon as a person, as an individual, and stop trying to blame other things that is not the real answer? Yep. Not 100%, mate. And I think, like, it's so easy to get caught up in like a relationship because there's so much emotion involved in it that's the kind of whole that's the main problem with it all is that when emotion is at the emotions at the forefront the decisions we make are usually you know wrong Uh (laughs) um whatever we define as wrong but you know i kind of live by the whole like don't make promises when you're happy don't make decisions when you're angry yeah so anytime where i'm altering other on that state i mean and i'll openly Uh say yes i know jack will be okay with this Jack used to, we used to go out on the weekend, right? Uh-huh. It's a Saturday, where somebody would be having a gaff or something. Jack would be on the easy, the, the craziest, drunken high. He'd come around me and he'd go, John, town tomorrow, Nando's. 12 o'clock sharp, mate. Let's go get some fucking munch, bro. Let's have a good day at it. We'll go and, you know, we'll go and do this, this, and this, and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. I'd go, yes, Jack, mate. No worries, bro. I, I'm fucking up for that, mate. <laughs> and I'd wake up the next day, I'd get my shower. Text him, no response. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. I'd phone him, no picking up. Text him again, no response. And I'd be like, right. Jackson woke up. Or Jackson's uh-huh. extremely hungover. Yep. And Jack just wouldn't tell me, mate. And I remember <laughs> saying to him, I was like, bro, you don't have to make these crazy promises to me, mate. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with the fact, like, if you just text me and just go, I'm not feeling too good today, mate. Uh-huh. That's it. I'm completely fine with that, bro. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, and that was what, that's what's always stuck in my mind when I think about the never making promises when I'm happy. I'll never yeah. do it because when I'm on that crazy high, mate, where the world could not touch me in any way, shape, or yeah. form, you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. And for Jack, mate, he used to do it all the time, mate. Uh-huh. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if he was still brutal for it just now, mate. <laughs> Honestly, God, but he it was something that always stuck with me and it was just something you were speaking about as well in terms of values and stuff like that yeah almost like created a theory off the back of like scott's theory about the uh, color wavelength theory that i put right. on a tweet and stuff like that and it's essentially like where people all the people that have the same values as you um all the people that have the same values as you all the people that want to be the same place as you all the people that are just inspired as you the people that are your when i think about um for example my ideal client avatar yeah. Like the people that I enjoy working with the most in terms of my yin, I'll give people like Blair, yourself, Isabel, Lizzie. Everyone is a part of like the founding member aspect. Yeah. They're all so easy to work with. Uh-huh. So when I think about in terms of understanding people more, and this kind of came from inspiration from the Temples of Wealth by Alex Becker yeah. as well, his attitude towards the abundance mindset because his first ever job or first ever business when he came out of the Navy SEALs, I want to say, or something like that, or the Navy was teaching guys to pick up girls that was his business fair play and he's a new generation entrepreneur he's 31 when i read the book and he was 27 when he created it so he's, he's quite uh-huh. quite a young young generation new generation book uh-huh. and it, everything i took away from that was the abundance mindset you know there's three and a half billion females on this planet you may as well be yourself because eventually one's going to come along and they're going to love you for a year and that kind of shit yeah. blah 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 and the color wavelength theory was almost like the only thing that I could make logical sense of that even like on paper technically isn't that logical but mm-hmm. for example see me and you are the color red we yeah. get on we're on the same wavelength we have the same values we want to be the same places at a certain extent that yeah. is a matter of fact to be the same color so ah. when because I used to never understand how I could walk into a room of five people and I could feel the shyest, most introverted, most not what to engage with anyone. But then I walk into a room of another five people and spots are flying. Yeah. And both of which are almost, say it's the exact same environment almost. It's in, you know, an open room where everyone's chatting. It's the exact same environment in both situations. But if I walk in, it's five different people that are sitting speaking to me and they make me feel incredibly welcome. And... Yeah. Just like that, sparks are flying and I'm being myself. And I walk into a room and I'm really shy and it's like, this is quite, I've become quite introverted, I don't know where I want to be. Mm-hmm. What is the logical pathway to that happening? So the theory in which I created was the color wavelength theory, which essentially, if I was to look at the world from up above, some people would be the color red, some people would be the color blue, green, black, white, and so on and so forth, to the point where everyone would be a completely different color. And well, not everyone be the you know what I mean. Every every yeah, yeah. group will be a completely different color. And that when you find a group of the similar color as yourself, and that's why you should always be yourself. You should always be authentic because if you're in a room of twelve individuals, they're all blue, and you're red, 
and one person that's red walked in that room and you're sitting there trying to pretend to be blue to fit in you're going to lose the potential chance of having that red friend it sounds pure stupid but you get the gist like yeah and that was almost that was like the theory that i took and i also i've taken i've taken to bex as well because bex is a wee bit of a struggle about being ourselves sometimes and especially in group environments i was like man like and i broke down the theory and from that point she said it has helped her massively and that's why i wanted uh-huh. to share it on a podcast in some sort of way and that's why it was good for us to get to this place in terms of values and stuff like that yeah. because for me it was the only logical explanation i had for the fact that when i walk in a room of five people um yeah. say three times over and i felt introverted but then i walk in a room with another five people i feel phenomenal on top mm-hmm. of the world why is that how is that um curious to hear what your take is i'm just being mindful of the time because i know it's it's five past eight but yeah yeah no problem um no it's a it's an interesting theory i quite <laughs> like it so my my take on that is probably a little bit different mm. um whatever color i am we'll, we'll stick with the red right so yep. if i am the red i've been in plenty of rooms where there's blue green black white you know yep. all different groups and because i'm extroverted I really like, and I've always uh, really enjoyed how people work. So I like to see what makes people spark. Yep. And what I do when I meet someone for the first time is I try to find out as quickly as I can what that is. Yep. People love to talk about themselves, right? No one doesn't. I love to talk about myself. You love to talk about yourself. Everyone loves to talk about themselves. So if you find something that interests them, they'll talk forever. Yep. And... There's a lot of times where you're going to meet people, especially in business or life or whatever, that you just don't really click with. You're not looking to to push forward with a relationship, become like business partners, that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. They're just people. But the thing is, you never really know what can happen with different people, you know? Maybe at some point in the future, you can both benefit one another and give value to each other on polar opposite spectrums. So what I always try to do is get to know someone on a more personal level you know what makes them tick what makes them happy what makes them excited to talk about themselves what's something that that really brings them joy because then you're able to understand you know how can you give them something that maybe other people can't you know how can you allow them to express themselves and understand more about themselves the way other people wouldn't because if you are going into a room with someone who's a completely different color from you and you're the red and they're the blue and you just freeze up and you don't ask them any questions and it's all really closed questions and it's only a yes or no thing, you're never going to know if, yeah. if there's a little bit of a mix between you both. You yeah. know, because not everyone is going to be directly red and directly yeah. blue. There's going to be a little bit of, of snippets in between that you can both add value to one another. So something I always try to do is make sure that I'm asking questions about themselves to then get them to speak about what makes them happy. And, and in that sense, I'm then able to make a connection with something that we could maybe talk about further and you never know that friendship could be just become something because as you were saying with the theory you know someone could be covering themselves as a red yeah. but they're actually a blue and if you just allow them to express themselves freely without any judgment they could potentially show off that side of them yeah. and that's when you've just unlocked something that 99% are not going to do because they're just not willing to ask the questions that allow them to be more comfortable yep and i think for me the the part that I worked on most was exactly what you were speaking about. Well, no matter what I'd be myself. So in terms of if I'm always going to be myself, who do I want me to be? Who am I going to work on to get myself to that level? 
and for me it was asking like you're saying asking the right questions bringing it the best in the person that's in the room with yeah. me that's what i always focused on and if i'm going to get in the room and it's someone that's shy or uncomfortable uh-huh. i know more than anyone who is with my yeah. old introverted self the kind of questions that can that brought me out so that take on it is incredibly interesting because it is kind of where i've worked on most i think because yeah. i know that a lot of people do hide their themselves or they they dim themselves down it's something that paul always talks about uh-huh. i remember the first session i had with paula's coaching if anyone doesn't know paul does our coaching in a group environment so you're in a group with about seven or eight other different people and she was doing we we're doing 30 second pitches was our first um session and paula wanted us to give feedback to everyone and i gave feedback to the first person and the set person came around and i had really good feedback and i never said it and i never said it because i didn't want to come across like i know it all i didn't want to come across like i was some 21 year old that was trying to tell somebody how to pitch when i didn't know how to pitch myself mm-hmm. even though the feedback was good yeah and i remember she voiced out to me and she was like john Halton damning himself down to, for the sake of what other people think of him whoever thought of it and i sat there and i thought fucking hell man <laughs> actual hub as well you know what the fuck am i playing at bro like what am i doing and it really got me thinking mate um yeah. and that's why that theory for me is is something that's given me a, 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 a logical almost like it's something i can put out to other people i think that people can grasp uh, when it comes to being authentic and being themselves um so I guess the final question is, what is next for Andrew Ellis? Well, right now, uh, I'm still at university. So, you know, I'm I'm going to be going into my second year for that. But for me personally, I'm really wanting to, in the future, once COVID has sort of passed, do speaking around the world. I would love to be able to do that and help people become the best version of their, themselves. Yep. Uh, I'm currently working on my first ever course for habit building um and mindset you know related to that i, I want to to test my systems my formulas to see how well they work i've already seen that they work for other people but i would love to do it in a, a sort of bigger scale yep uh, but yeah just continue to work on myself and and try to push myself forward as i do with with everything that i can and see where it takes me 100 percent, bro and i'm excited to see where you go mate with us working together on such a frequent basis I'm excited as well. um and obviously this podcast is going to be going out after this has occurred but myself and andrew are hosting uh well andrew is hosting in partnership with YN a massive of the mind workshop um which i'm really excited for me and i'm just it's gonna be so good to see you and uh it's gonna be like your first workshop in it or your first yeah, yeah. your first workshop um it's gonna be so, very exciting times mate it's gonna be great <laughs> I'm excited. Um, and that's gonna be on the 17th of june yep. 16 days out bro love it class right kirsty bro i'll round it up there thank you all for watching um if you haven't already make sure you subscribe as these podcasts should be going up every fortnight there'll be snippets rolling out pretty much every few days uh, and we'll catch you in the next one guys thank you for having me on i really do appreciate it no worries at all mate